founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors. It's a place to come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with your goals. If you want to come out and find more about what I do, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. There is so much goodness over there that I think you will absolutely love. So how have you enjoyed the last couple of weeks of podcasts? It's been awesome, hasn't it? This week, I am going one step further and bringing you another incredible guest, someone who I've been working with very closely over the last couple of months. I have got Verity Wakeley from Douglas and Gordon with me today. She was the agent who has sold our flat in London and we are so, so pleased that that's finally gone through. So hi Verity, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am really good, thank you. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm, it seems quite surreal to say that it's all gone through, but I'm, I'm really happy. <laughs> it took so long, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it was a really long process, but uh, yeah, all, all done now, which is great. All done and dusted. And for all of you, I, I mean, so many people who follow this have been asking me about the ins and outs of the deal. Once it is completed, we will then talk about it. We are still a couple of days away and it's Easter. So <laughs> it's kind of delayed it for an extra couple of days. But because it exchanged last week, I'm absolutely over the moon about it. It's great. It's it's so good. It was a complex deal, but we've got there. We have got there. So because uh, we've just done the sale of that flat, I invited Verity on today because I thought she would be very much best placed to tell us about what's going on because there's been so much discussion uh, in my Facebook group, Property Investment Mastery, where people who are buying and selling in London are having a completely different experience from people who are buying and selling in the north of the UK. And it seems to be that there's kind of a divide. I've noticed almost running along the M4 corridor where if you're investing above or you're buying property or you're selling property above, you're still kind of there at the top of the market. Um, there's not really that good a deal to be had. And um, any clients that I've got who are buying in the north are really lucky if they get it under what asking value is whereas in the south it seems to be a completely different picture so I thought we'd have a conversation about that yeah perfect so I'm happy to to discuss it all with you fab so to start off with I want to know a bit more about you how did you get started in property um, so I'll be honest, I didn't actually originally plan to end up in property. I finished university in 2011. Um, I did a sociology degree and I had planned to be a social worker or something along mm -hmm. those lines. But the job situation was really dire when I finished university. So um, I met with a recruitment consultant in London and yeah. she kind of sold me the romantic idea of selling beautiful houses in central London um, and I went to an interview and started sort of two weeks later and absolutely loved it, it, it you know it wasn't what I planned to do but it's it's such a great career mm -hmm. and so have you been um, doing it ever since yeah so um just over seven years now I've been in property I've always been based in south and southwest and sort of west London um oh. so yeah and those are beautiful places to be. So is it around, is it, were you always south of the river or have you been Chelsea, Kensington, Fulham, that area as well? 
No, so I've always been south of the river. You know, I'd, I'd love to work in areas like Chelsea and Kensington. But for me, um, it's always been south and southwest. And it, it's a little bit more of a normal market here. So we've still got, you know, people having babies, getting married, getting divorced. Um, and that's what I quite like. You know, life moves on in these areas. So um, we're dealing with a lot of first time buyers. Um, it's just, yeah, a bit more of a normal sales market. Mm-hmm. And with the, actually, surprising that you say that you're dealing with a lot of first time buyers. I know that um, when Chris and I started looking at selling this flat, we were absolutely shocked at how much it was going to go for. And we were, we were saying to each other, well, would we buy this flat again at the price that it's worth? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, it's kind of a, a still a little bit of up for a debate of whether we would or not. It's, I mean, it's a fabulous location right next to the tube. Zone two is still amazing. Um, but are you finding that a lot of um, a lot of first time buyers are still buying in the area because it's expensive still? It is expensive. I think, you know, if we compare it to areas like Chelsea and, you know, even Fulham, it's affordable and I know that sounds crazy I mean my parents are from Somerset and you know when they look at the London prices they almost fall off their chair but Mm -hmm. compared to central London you know I'm based in Putney it's still an affordable area and a lot of the first-time buyers we're dealing with it's banks of mum and dad that are helping so they might have saved up some of their deposit but a lot of parents are giving them that money because it is it's a huge amount of money (laughs) um you know it's you know four or five times people's salaries so actually it's a lot of parents helping yeah I mean I I think back to it when I first bought my first flat in London which to now sounds crazy I bought my first flat in Notting Hill in 2011 and I bought it for 200,000 (laughs) pounds it's crazy you probably couldn't even get a garage for that now definitely not definitely not but it's interesting that you say that there's still first-time buyers um moving into the area because then that's a good sign that they're able to get the lending and are they doing it with help to buy schemes yeah so we have dealt with a couple of help to buy schemes I know you know that's probably incentivize them there's also you know stamp duty relief for first-time buyers they buy below 500,000 so I think that might have boosted that end of the market but I mean ultimately rents are so high in London I Mm -hmm. think um if they have a deposit or if they can borrow it from parents it makes sense for them to pay the mortgage repayments which are often a lot less than the rent each month so I think it's still something people aspire to own a property and it's more affordable than renting if you can do it. Yeah. And would you say that that's that's kind of keeping the lower end of the market alive? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think, you know, a lot of people have said they still want to own a property. They still aspire to own a property in London and it's cheaper for them. And that's definitely what's keeping that you know that's where we probably sell most of our flats um at that level and that's what's been sort of churning a bit easier than the top end yeah and do you see many property investors coming through at the moment um we've seen a couple more dipping their toes in Mm -hmm. I would say you know the last couple of years it has been a little bit quieter I think you know with stamp duty changes with the extra three percent um, we kind of lost quite a few rental investors 
Um, so I would say we're starting to see it, but it hasn't been sort of like a light switch turning back on. No, and especially with the changes to Section 21 this week, I think yeah. <laughs> a lot of landlords are thinking, whoa, do you know what? I don't want to pay that much, plus the additional stamp duty, plus it's becoming more risky to be a landlord. You'd rather hedge your bets a little bit and invest in a cheaper area, I guess. Yeah, I think that's it. I think, I mean, we took out a couple of buyers yesterday. There are still buyers that were, were looking, you know, for an investment property. We've got um, some cash buyers out at the moment, but I think it has made people question, especially if it is a buy-to-let investment, because it has to make financial sense. Yeah, it does. And also, I've, I found a lot with these new builds that are going up in the area as well, the service charge is really high. So for the... Uh, for the rent to cover the mortgage that you might need to pay, plus the fact that you've got all these additional costs, plus the fact that surface charges are spiraling. I guess it's cheaper in that area to be buying somewhere that um, is an older building rather than these new builds. Absolutely. I would say the best investments are sort of the ex-council or purpose-built properties because um, normally the service charges are a lot lower. I know on some of these new builds, it's sort of £3,000, £4,000, but you do get gym and swimming pool, but it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's expensive, um, especially know, because you can go down to Pure Gym and spend £25 a month on a membership. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, the things, you know, purpose-built properties are great investments that are slightly older. We've got quite a few sort of like 1930s, 1960s blocks, mm-hmm. um, big double bedrooms, and they rent really well because they're yeah. normally quite close to the stations. Um, so that's, I think they're sort of a really good investment. And are they being priced cheaper than the new builds? Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're definitely more affordable. I think, you know, the most expensive things like the Victorian period conversions. Um, Some of the new builds are priced quite reasonably, but some of them are quite high. It it depends, you know, who's built them and that sort of thing or where they are. But um, I think the most reasonable ones are, you know, the, the purpose built buildings because pounds per square foot, they're a lot cheaper. They're normally bigger flats because it's not a building that's been sort of chunked up into properties they've Mm -hmm. been built to be sort of proper family homes yeah yeah so do you have you seen that the market is now changing in the area has it dropped over the last couple of months or um because all all I hear from colleagues who work in London is that the market is falling um, especially from people that I worked with who are working for the bigger estates in central London, so around Shoreditch and around Chelsea and Ken- Kensington, that area, they're saying, do you know what? Actually, we, if we have to sell something, we are having to give such a discount. Um, and that's obviously reflected in then the market. It shows that prices are going down. Have you seen that everywhere or does it really depend on the property? Yeah, so it really depends on the area. I would say, you know, a lot of that, I don't work in central London, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, the demand has changed in central London. It was a lot of foreign investors um, and they probably aren't in the market as much at the moment. So, you know, if the the demand goes down, prices change slightly for for my area, where I'm based in, in Putney in southwest London, it's been quite a stable and consistent couple of years. So we haven't really experienced 
growth, but mm-hmm. we haven't really experienced a decline either. Um, it's just been, you know, as I said earlier, life's moving on. People still want to get onto the property ladder. You know, people are still having babies and, you know, they have to move on with their lives. So yeah. we, yeah, we probably have just seen things sort of ticking along. We saw the most growth in sort of 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. and then prices have just remained quite consistent since then really and I guess it was always going to because wages haven't gone up as much yeah that's it isn't it you know the market went up I think I mean I was based in a different area still in South London in 2014 2015 prices almost doubled in the space of six months (laughs) um it was crazy you know as you said you bought a property for 200,000 in Notting Hill I mean that same flat you know I wouldn't even hazard a guess what it's worth now but it's probably you know tripled if more and that's you know the market has gone up a lot and I think we're just in a sort of quite stable consistent period at the moment do you think we could ever see something similar again and I know I know we don't have crystal balls (laughs) I say this every time we you know we could think about the future we don't have crystal balls but just in your opinion not like actual fact do you think we could ever see something again like that again I mean I, I think if you look at London compared to other large cities, you know, for example, Singapore, Sydney, New York, we're still really affordable. Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but we are still one of the cheapest large cities for real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, if you look at London every five to 10 years, it's only gone one way. I don't know if we're going to see prices doubling in the space <laughs> of a year again, but I think there will be growth. I, th- I still think, you know, London is a great place to invest in. Yeah. And if you look at basic supply and demand, we have got more people than ever moving to the city. I mean, everyone in my office, none of us are from London. And we've got restrictions in London on building upwards, building downwards. There's there's not a, a lot of space. So yeah. I think that naturally keeps prices high. Um, and I think more people are going to keep coming here for jobs. So I do think prices will continue to go up. I just, you know, I'm not sure if we'll see the same amount of growth that we've seen, you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah, unless we have a serious recession and prices crash, then we might see it. But I'm I'm with you. Although every time I go to investor events and I speak to other investors, they say to me, do you know, property price is going to fall off a cliff in London. And I think, mm, I don't know I don't know like this 30% drop when we leave the EU if we do leave the EU what do you reckon I know again it's difficult isn't it I I've read so many conflicting things it's um it's very difficult to predict what will happen again I think in areas where there you know people have to move on with their lives I think things will carry along you know, quite stably and quite consistent. I don't know about areas in central London. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I do just think that London is propped up by so many different things. Yeah. Um, and so many different economies. You know, it's not just British people buying here. Um, no. I, I can't see it dropping first percent. I think, you know, for us, the, the biggest ricochet in the marketplace was when Brexit was announced because people in London didn't expect it. So for us, the worst period was when they first announced it and everyone just sat on their hands because yeah. no one was expecting it. No one knew what was going to happen. Um, but I think now people are kind of a little bit fed up with talking about Brexit, thinking about Brexit. Um, and, you know, if you're having that 
baby or you know you're, you're moving for a school you still need to move on with your life and do yeah. that yeah oh, I completely agree I uh, I think that the Brexit talk there was a lot of scaremongering around it huge amount yeah. of scaremongering around it um and everybody was ready to up and leave really quickly and since it's now been postponed to October um I think people are just bored yeah absolutely <laughs> and you know no one really knows what's going to happen anyway so I think you know people just need to move on with their lives but I mean we have seen the buyer levels are lower than we've seen in the previous years but I think the buyers that are out at the moment are good buyers so you haven't got any window shoppers anyone that's nervous at the moment isn't looking so yeah um you know, we used to see maybe 20 20 viewings in a week we'd have an open house on a Saturday and then loads of offers on the Monday you know it now can take a couple of weeks for buyers to come through they want to see everything at that level and then make offers so it's just a bit more of a slower process because mm -hmm it's a bit more of a buyer's market at the moment. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's have a talk about selling um, because obviously we've, we've just sold and to make that property look good, I did, had it fully repainted and I got it staged. Now, I know that that's not always necessary and just for, for my point of view, it was kind of peace of mind as we were moving countries and I knew that um, the day the removal men came to take our whole flat to New York, um, they took it all out and I was like, oh, it's the state. <laughs> you know what happens when people move and you've got the marks on the wall and all of the skirting boards are um, marked and I'm quite yeah. a perfectionist in that I could not have had my properties going to market like that. There was no way I needed to look the best that it possibly could have been. Now, yeah, that's me being a perfectionist and that's how I like to do things. But asking you, if anybody out there is looking to sell right now, what are your top tips for making sure that you get a good price for it, but also shifting it quickly? I think you did the perfect thing. I, I actually would recommend that to, to everyone you know it's like when you sell a car you clean it you, you get rid of the scratches you make sure it looks perfect you take out you know all the children's toys or um, and I think my top tip would be to make sure it's looking its best so you know you don't need to spend thousands of pounds on the property but I would declutter mm -hmm. if it's vacant maybe put in a bed so people can sort of imagine themselves living there the things that sell quickest for us are the things that look nice and people buy into the lifestyle especially first-time buyers you know they don't have the appetite for a project they want something that they can move straight into they can imagine themselves having a glass of wine there and yeah. you really do have to to make sure the property looks its best so um you know that would be my number one tip I think you know secondly you need brilliant photos and mm -hmm. marketing is everything um, and that could mean the difference from it going within a couple of weeks to it sitting around for a couple of months because the internet is kind of a blessing and a curse yeah. um, everything's so accessible and people could look at photos and say oh I'm not going to see that and and actually write it off without going through the door so I think amazing pictures and making sure you use an agent that has, you know, good marketing, good photos is on the right websites as well. Mm -hmm. um, just to give you the maximum exposure for the property. Which websites um, would you recommend? 
Yeah, so um, right move, Zoopla on the market, prime location. I mean, we also advertise on Mumsnet, the Telegraph. I, I think you want to have as much exposure as possible. Some agents, I mean, we use Instagram and Facebook and I think you need to make sure you're going to be out to the, the maximum um, amount of buyers that you can. So mm-hmm. you want to capture that whole audience and you just need to make sure, you know, double check that agent is going to get you the, the most exposure. Um, can I ask how you would, you know, what should, for anybody listening who is about mm-hmm. to instruct an agent, what should they then be asking that agent regardless of where they are in the country to make sure that that agent is getting the best expense the most exposure sorry um, and I know yeah. some people can think oh I don't know if I want to ask this or I don't know what you know I'm a bit nervous to ask what would you expect someone to be asking you yeah so I definitely expect someone to meet to be asking me about marketing and um, to find out what websites they're on how we market a property I'd also expect them to ask me how many buyers we have on our database. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in my office in particular, in my company, we share a database. So I'm able to pull buyers in from right across London in a couple of clicks. So you should find out if your agent's a franchise, if they just have one office. Mm-hmm. The things that sell faster at the moment are on with agents with a huge database because you'll often find that buyers will register in one area but end up buying in a different area. So we utilize that by calling through those buyers. Um, mm-hmm. So you need to you know, find out how many buyers they've got access to um, and find out about marketing, um, you know, find out how big their team is as well, how many people are going to be viewing it. A lot of agents, um, are, you know, we work on commission and if you have a bigger team, there are going to be more people competing to sell the property. Yeah. So you need to find out how many branches will market it, how big the team will be, um, I think they're sort of probably the most important things to establishing which agent to go with. Mm-hmm. And so if you then look online and you you find that the pictures just aren't doing it justice, what what should you say to your agent? Can you ask them to go out and take more pictures? <laughs> absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I would never feel offended. I want my clients be 100% happy with with their photos so you can 100% say to the agent I'm not happy can you come and take some more pictures um you know most most properties have about 10 to 15 pictures on the website you can put more on but that's sort of the average but yeah absolutely ask them to do it um you know you don't most agencies you don't pay anything until it's sort of exchanged and completed so mm-hmm. you need to be happy that you've got the best marketing and the best exposure for it yeah. And then when it comes to the description, what should you be telling your agent so that they can write the best description? Yeah. So, I mean, with myself, um, I will ask people if there's anything particular they want in it. But um, we often we write them ourselves. So mm-hmm. I will go around looking at all the, the key selling points. So the way that we do it, we'll look at the, the key selling points. So, you know, does it have off street parking? Does it have a south facing balcony? Um, does it have a, access to a swimming pool? You need to make sure it sells your property. A lot of people, I don't think they look at the, they're going to the description in a great deal, but I think the key selling points on things like right move and zipla they're they're bullet pointed yeah. and you need to make sure they're the best things about your flats. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, is it close to the station? Um, and again, you can ask your agent to put specific things in. If you want something written in the, the description, um, they will do it for you. Agents do it in slightly different ways. So some might just put bullet points. We like to do some key selling bullet points and then like a full description of the property. So we talk about the kitchen, the living room and how the property sort of flows into each other and does the balcony lead off. Um, but it's you can really add what you want to on it. Oh, okay. And then if you were then going to stage the property like I did, what would you as an agent expect me to be putting in there? Um, So if it was vacant, I would definitely recommend putting a bed in and you want to make sure that uh, there's like a duvet and some cushions on the bed. Uh, It sounds really silly, but (laughs) people buy into stuff like that. You know, they want to imagine themselves living there. So Mm -hmm. Um, I'd also probably make sure there was a sofa and somewhere for dining as well. It's all about sort of selling that dream to them and making it re- making them realise that this is how the flat will be set up. I think sometimes vacant properties, people can't, they're like, oh, no, the bed wouldn't fit in there. Or, mm-hmm. So you have to stage it you know put cushions on the sofa again you know not spending thousands there are companies that you can pay to stage it for you um but I do I definitely think it it gets you a sort of faster result and would you dress the windows so would you put curtains and blinds I've had I mean not all of my sellers have done that some of them have gone for curtains blinds photos you know the full paintings um mm-hmm. I had another client that didn't do that she just had the sort of basic furniture and it, it didn't make it a huge difference I think because she had you know beds and sofas and everything else yeah. um I don't you necessarily need to go for curtains and blinds and how long would you want the furniture to be in there so I guess from the date that you take pictures it's got to be there but how long would you advise your clients to leave them because obviously the more months they're in there the higher for some companies it costs because you're paying on a monthly basis so yeah when would you suggest then they take it back out um I would probably recommend you know once the mortgage offer is out or you know once you're close to exchange and I know it's very difficult with the (laughs) The British system, nothing's yeah. guaranteed until it goes through. Um, but I would, you probably want to have some certainty that the transaction is is going the way it's it's supposed to. You know, searches mm-hmm. are back, so they've paid for searches. They've had a survey. You know, a survey is normally sort of five hundred pound, a thousand pounds. So the the buyer is as invested as he can be. He's they've kind of put the money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Okay. So any other tips for making the property sell quickly anything about pricing yeah Yeah, so I think you know you you don't want to price yourself out of the marketplace um I mean obviously you know you want to get the best price for your property but you need to be realistic at the moment the things that are sitting around for a long time are the things that have been price too high and you know we haven't got the traction on those so um you need to be quite realistic I still think the prices are quite fair in London as I said in my area we haven't um experienced a huge amount of growth but Mm -hmm. I still think they're quite fair prices um but I yeah I would recommend pricing at a fair level and not you know shooting it too high because it will sit there for a long time Mm -hmm. um yeah and anything else you can recommend for selling a property? 
I <laughs> I would say use a London-based solicitor um, for getting it to three quickly. I mean, it's one thing getting an offer agreed, but you don't want it to sit around for months and months. If you've used a solicitor outside of London, a conveyancing farm, good solicitors have made my deal so much quicker to go through. So I would um, I would definitely recommend using a London-based solicitor and you might have to pay a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it, it, it really will make the process a lot easier. I mean, we obviously had quite a stressful deal with yours, but your solicitor was fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, heaven forbid, if we, if we hadn't have had her on it, it might have taken months longer. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Nishita, honestly, <laughs> is, I, I've worked with Nishita for the past 10 years. I absolutely love her for having our back through everything. And she went the to the nth degree to make that deal yeah. go through. I mean, absolutely. you did too. You did, you did too. The, between the pair of you, we can't thank you enough. But yeah, good solicitors because that was the problem, wasn't it? Through the convincing process was that the other side solicitor just wasn't at the mark. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, a, a bad solicitor, as I said, I've, I've had, I've lost deals because it's a bad solicitor and you just need someone that's proactive. Um, in the same way, you should have a proactive agent. I think at the moment because the market has been a little bit tougher you need people that are going to go above and beyond for you um because that does make the difference it could save you a couple of months I know your deal was a little bit longer um (laughs) but you need proactive people on your side that's so true and for everybody listening can I say that Verity would pick up the phone at like 9, 9.30 at night to talk to me? <laughs> I'm on New York time and she was still picking up the phone. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that so much. You did everything you possibly could to get it through. I, I honestly, no. I've been raving about you to everybody. No, I'm happy to help. And I think, you know, I deal with a lot of clients like yourselves. And, um, you know, if it means that we get things done and sorted, that's all I want to do. I think you know with my job it's all about problem solving and it is really emotional and highly stressful and I like to talk to my clients to you know make sure we're on the same page and I know it's hard you're in New York and for you I've listened to some of your podcasts now as well and I know it must have been really hard for you guys because you were trusting us to just sort things out for you and it's it's kind of quite alienating you were over there just thinking so I, I just I wanted to take the phone call just to make sure you were sort of looped in on everything as well. Thank you. I w- we appreciate it so much. So much. <laughs> and anybody listening, I'm going to put Verity's contact details below so you can email her if you'd like to use Verity as well. Um, Absolutely. So just speaking about the convincing process, and we had a lot of times where the buyer would come back to us and ask us for more and more money, which, um, I mean, I, I've, I've told everybody, Chris in the end got to a point where he's like, I'm not even talking about this anymore. But are you seeing that more often? Is this something that's now becoming common that buyers are just asking, 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 asking? Yeah, I think I think at the moment, um, it is a little bit more of a buyer's market. So previously, sort of 2014, 2015, uh, we would just say, you know, take a view on it, you have to move forward. And we had maybe 50 buyers behind them queuing up. So Mm -hmm. people did just push forward with things. Um, Now, you know, the banks are a little bit more cautious. And the solicitors are also they have a duty of care to the banks and the buyer. And 
you know, the banks are more cautious. They want more documents for the purchase. They want this indemnity policy. Um, and so I think it's a mixture of banks being cautious, solicitors naturally being cautious. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, solicitors have always been cautious. But yeah. um, now we're dealing with, you know, a lot of older leases that might have faults in and they're picking up on those problems. So the conveyancing process is taking longer and and more things are coming up that might not have come up a couple of years ago but I think it's a mixture of all of those things really yeah and so what would you advise a seller would you say to them you know meet the buyer somewhere or would you be like just stand your ground yeah it really depends it's a really difficult one I think at the moment um because buyers aren't growing on trees um Mm -hmm. it's difficult I think yeah, there there must be a happy middle ground. And I think, you know, depending on what it is, you can always say, look, we'll meet you halfway or we'll give you X amount towards it. And that might just sort of knock the inquiry on its head. But it's very difficult. You know, if the buyer has had a, a large discount from the asking price, it's, it's then, well, when do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> You know, if you get that discount, you have to then go, actually, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this through. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think, you know, it's a case by case thing, but I would always sit down, you know, and if you're dealing with an agent, they should go through it with you. What are the options? What are the scenarios and what could happen? Because it's very different for every transaction. But I would say try try and offer something if it means the deal will go through yeah. but it, I know there's a limit you know you don't want to be taking thousands and thousands off the asking price just for the sake of appeasing the buyer mm-hmm. and so another question would you recommend selling right now or would you proceed with caution I think in my area life has to move on and I yeah. I people still need to move um you know I still think we're getting fair prices in the marketplace um at the higher end at the moment there's a shortage of stock we normally have about 44 pages of properties on right move in Putney there are 21 pages at the moment so um that that is a blessing so for sellers there is a shortage of stock at the higher end of the marketplace I think life has to move on I don't think we can sit here and and wait and see what happens it might get better it might get worse we don't know and Mm -hmm. and that's the risk I think if you're trading up at the moment you know if you're in a flat and you want to buy a house it's a great time to do it so and it really depends what your plan is but I I definitely think you know life has to move on and you can't just stay in the flat because you're worried about what's going to happen in the marketplace Mm -hmm. um I would definitely you know move on with your life yeah, if you need if you need to sell, you've decided you've come to the end of the road of your property, then you could wait forever for the right time and still never get that price that you think you deserve. Yeah. Or, you know, you might as well give it a go. And there's always, I mean, always, if, if three months into the marketing process, you think we're not getting what we want, you can always say, okay, I'll just come back to this in 12 months time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you just don't know, you know, dip your toe in. If you don't get the level that you want, you can pull it off the marketplace. But I still think, you know, as I said earlier, there there are less buyers, but there are still good buyers out there. Yeah. And so what do you reckon is going to happen 2019? How do you feel the market is going to go? 
I, I mean, I think it's going to be quite a stable year. I don't, th- I think it's going to follow quite a similar trend that we've seen the, the past couple of years. Um, I don't see, I mean, obviously Brexit has been pushed back, but I don't see there being any sort of light bulb moments. I think it's just going to trickle along the way that we've seen it already. Um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of my, my outlook on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to ask you a final question, which I was meant to ask at the beginning, but um, I got carried away. <laughs> it's fine. Um, thinking about you being an agent, and I know that yeah. I've got a lot of people who listen to this who are looking for careers in property or what they should do. I wonder if you could give any insight into what it's like being an agent, the skills you need to get into it, and if you would recommend it as kind of a first step into the property industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, for myself, I had a university degree when I came to be an agent, but a lot of people that start in the offices come straight from school. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of large companies in London will give you on the tra- job training. So you'll have probably a week or two of intense training in their head office. And then they'll sort of go through, you'll go out on viewings, you'll shadow them. So I think there are some transferable skills that you can probably get before becoming an agent if that's what you decide to do and mm-hmm. I worked in retail so customer service skills are paramount to our job yeah um, it's all about building relationships and trust and rapport so um, I think you know if you work in a, in a shop or a restaurant um, all of those skills are really transferable the rest you can kind of work on but you also need to be really driven our, our job is commission-based mm-hmm. um, so you have to you know, want to work when people finish work, which is probably six and seven o'clock Saturdays. Um, it's an incredibly rewarding career, but you you do have to work quite hard. And, you know, I take calls for my clients in the evenings, um, but I do really enjoy the challenge and the reward at the end of it. There's nothing better than finding someone, you know, a new property, but you do have to work quite hard for it. Yeah. Um, but you, you don't need any specific, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a degree. Um, you can come straight from school and most good big agencies will train you and give you the skills that you need would you recommend it yeah absolutely (laughs) it's as I said it wasn't what I expected to do but it's been one of the best things I've done Um, I work with some amazing people Um, I've seen some incredible properties I quite often get house envy but um, (laughs) I get to see some beautiful homes I mean it's not all smooth sailing it can be incredibly stressful and it's quite emotional dealing with people's lives and their homes but it's really rewarding there's nothing better than you know moving someone into a new property um so I love it It, no no day is ever the same and it's it's very very hectic you could be out doing viewings sat behind your desk I think that's a nice thing for me I can get out of the office and it just kind of breaks up the day and and the days fly by Mm -hmm. brilliant well there we have it thank you Verity for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And for everybody listening, I'm going to put Verity's details below if you want to uh, get in contact with her for any reason. Um, Verity is based at Douglas and Gordon in Putney, South West London. So thank you everybody for listening to my podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here listening with us. If you want to find out 
For more about what I do, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk and make sure you sign up for my newsletter, which comes out every Sunday evening at 7.30pm. It's one that you definitely want in your inbox. And finally, come and join me on Facebook in the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. I will put the link below. It's a place for you to come and have those really meaningful conversations about property investment. Again, thank you for being with me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.